Hello and welcome to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. And today we're moving into Western Europe for the first time and Switzerland. And I have Claudia here as my guest to represent Switzerland in Tasmania. And um, without further ado, welcome Claudia. And I'd like to start by asking you, when did you come to Tasmania and why? I migrated in 2003 and I came here because with a spouse visa mm -hmm. <laughs> because um, in 2000 I came here as a tourist and I had some time off. I took four months off and I might tell a bit later why I came to Tassie yeah. but I wanted to be in nature and I went to Bruni Island or had this Bruni. I saw pictures in Switzerland. I found pictures of Tassie, in particular Bruni Island, in a sort of um, travel agency. You have a very interesting story on how you first met your now husband. Yeah, so I came to Australia in the first place because firstly I didn't speak any English at the time. All right. Or very little, um, but many other languages. But English was not one that I really had really a good handle on it. And I had four months off and I wanted to travel for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I felt Australia would be a safe place to come as a woman alone yeah. <laughs> and learn a bit the language. And but I saw pictures, um, in particular about Tasmania, and I really fell in love with it. I grew up in the Swiss Alps, two thousand uh -huh. meters above sea level in right. Mother Nature. Um, and at the time, I was living very urban, and I had a longing to go back to a place with lots of nature, and that drew me. Mm -hmm. And I landed in Melbourne, and because all I thought I would just want to go and then see where it takes me. But I was in Melbourne, and I just was in a city again, and I. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't stay. I had this pull towards Tasmania. I was discouraged by the travel agent saying, oh, no, don't go yeah, down right. there in December. They have snow. But, you know, for a Swiss person, a bit of snow. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing bad about that. So I did come down. And, yeah, I felt drawn to Bruni Island. I saw pictures. And I did find a house-to-house sit on Bruni Island. Mm -hmm. But that led to a purchasing of a car. And I didn't want to buy a car of a car yet because mm -hmm. you know you know you always get <laughs> a bad deal yeah so i spoke to people and they said oh this guy his name is alan he's a mechanic and he always has a couple of cars spare cars why don't you call him and or i can call him this lady was actually quite um, liking alan <laughs> and she thought it's a good reason to ring him again <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And yeah, and I met Alan and he you know, showed me a car and we had an instant connection. Right. Um, and I sort of felt, oh my God, what's going on here? You know, li very little English. You have to picture myself mm -hmm. speaking sort of four or five word sentences. And presumably he didn't speak he any didn't other speak language. He didn't speak any other language. No, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, Alan is New Zealander originally, but yeah. was living in Tassie at that point for already high time. Yeah, so and... 
then I think he sort of drew out the card deal a little bit, you know, that he may need to do a little bit more work on it before okay. I can buy it. It was a that's and Sunny oh, right. for $900. What, what uh, time was this? Like what year? That was in 2000. 2000, okay. So. Yeah, yeah, I think, was it? Yeah, 2000. I think on the December into, I think it was that, you know, turn off yep. into the, into into the, the, the yeah. New millennium. New millennium, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, that's how it started. And then, you know, he, he sort of, it's funny, he would say that he's, he realized that something went on because he did a whole engine um, sort of re, rebuild or rehaul and did much more on the car before mm-hmm. he sold it to me. And he did it all for free yeah, right. just because he wanted to really give me a really good car. At the same time, he drew out the time and he had to see me again and again say, mm-hmm. it's not quite ready yet. You know? <laughs> and yeah, that, that was telling him that maybe there is something there. Yeah. And yeah, and then he was very impressed that I paid cash, you know, mm-hmm. Swiss, $900, there it is. <laughs> yeah, so that's how our um, story started. So given that you, you had limited sort of English, how, how did you kind of, how were you able to sort of develop things? With, with each other. Yeah, yeah I think um, he then offered me to take me for um, a tour around Tassie. His son, he was a single parent at the time, was away for a week. He said, I've got a, t- a week off, so mm-hmm. I'll show for you around. We often did talk or very little. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think he went back to work and then he spoke very funny. You know, he mm-hmm. then noticed that he changed his spoke right. funny language afterwards. So it was difficult. But somehow, you know, if you know communication is 80% is body language. And at some point we we had to separate. I, I had to go back and yeah. we both felt like we can't be. I couldn't see myself to move here. I had a career in Switzerland. My husband was as a single parent, had a house here, you know, established life. So we both couldn't see mm. giving that up. And we sort of said goodbye to each other. Yeah. A few months later, he rang and I couldn't forget about him. He couldn't forget about me. And then we decided to meet once more and he came to Switzerland. Okay. Three, four weeks. And in week three, he proposed and I said, yes, not no. Wow. <laughs> it was just sort of, I don't know, you know, you just you go with it. I was not that young anymore. And I think at that point, you know, you know, you just know it's mm-hmm. felt right. Yeah. And yeah, and then he had to come back again. And we thought, now what do we do? You know, where do we start? And it was really a little bit of flick of the coin you know who is coming because at that point we were both ready to come first nobody wanted to move then I said I'm coming he said I'm coming so we did flick a little bit of a coin and decide and then Alan came to Switzerland first so he Mm -hmm. came to Switzerland we lived there until 2003 but that was I don't know I can't bring my numbers together now we lived over a year apart Mm. um, to get that together yeah Yeah. it was quite not so easy I'm actually have worked in the education system in okay. Switzerland and even taught teachers and then I migrated yeah. and that was just at a time when the teacher registration board got established and they said you know sorry but you have to go back to university yeah, right. and study another two years at least mm. to become a teacher wow. and um, and you know I did go to UTAS to do the um, what's it called English you know the, the scoring the points and getting the right points to actually be able to study and all of that 
I taught um, as part of the teaching um, degree in Switzerland. I taught migration and intercultural education. Okay. And sort of I was a bit prepared in theory what might could happen to me mm-hmm. or what I might could experience. And a lot of people said to me, how do you take that risk? Have you got a job to go to? And I said, no. And I'd, I was sort of ready to go and sell fries at McDonald's if needed. <laughs> you know, and I think that was the attitude I came mm-hmm. with. Um, but it was then still a bit harder because I did, you know, sort of been waiting to, you know, my first job was for 13 bucks an hour or whatever. Mm. And that was quite a big reduction in salary yeah. <laughs> um, um, from what I had. And But in a way, you know, I was prepared. In theory, I was prepared for it, that that could happen. Yep. And it did happen. And I then chose to sort of try to develop a new career path, you know. That was very good, but also sometimes a bit uh, challenging. I think one of the challenges were um, the house we lived in, you know, sort of a shack, renovated type mm-hmm. shack type you know building um and i come from the swiss alps and you know our houses are incredibly well insulated and yeah. everything is thoroughly built and i remember we had a, a leaking roof so i think at a few times you know buckets everywhere because the the rain was dripping in and the washing machine sort of you know stopped after a few turns and you have to go and lift the lid mm-hmm. so it works again and even my my lovely stepson who also moved with us to some with ellen to switzerland oh, you know nice. they came with as a package um I remember he was too when we moved back in and back home, you know, he with his washing machine, he was there one day crying, sort of saying, Oh, you know, why is that stuff not working? You know, in Switzerland everything sort of works, yeah. the clock and it's everything, you know, it's just this um, you know, more second hand and try and make the best of what we have. So that required a bit of adjustment from my part, really. Um yeah. and we eventually did build a new roof. <laughs> <laughs> um but being called in a house and stuff like that that really requires a bit of adjustment and I, I, yeah. I live today in a house is very well built and is a bit <laughs> a warm, warmer as, as such which is great that we could buy that but um, that was an adjustment I yeah. had to make so I still feel a bit like I'm holidays every day <laughs> when I, um, you know, live in Tassie because we see the seal and still evokes those feelings of, you know, yeah. if I go down to the wharf in Hobart or whatever. And now I live in, you know, close to the beach and it's just amazing. For me, that's like holiday every day mm. still. Uh, but my husband suffered when he was in Switzerland to not have the sea. What, what part of Switzerland are you actually from? I grew up in Heideland. <laughs> I don't know if you understand the Heidi story who sort of grew yes, up in the... Right. Know the Heidi story, yeah. Grew up in the in the Alps, and literally that's where I grew up. You know, that's the farmers and mm-hmm. the Alps and the snow and the goats. Yeah. <laughs> in a very tiny little village. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I could put my skis on and just go and lift out of the door and up up the hill. So I grew up skiing yeah. my life. Lots of sport. Um, yeah, beautiful valley. It's called the Engadine Valley, mm-hmm. and it's sort of close to St. Moritz, which is sort of a bit an iconic yeah. place where rich people hang out. Yeah. Um, yeah, in that valley. So that's where I grew up. My mum wrote a poem to me and said, on my 20th, you know, the, the street was your home. Mm-hmm. Because we, we were just, it was safe to be outside. Yeah. And I just came home and did my schoolwork and then I went back out again. And there were all the kids and we just played in the village. Yeah. And we had the church bell ringing at a certain time, which was mm-hmm. a sign for us all to go home. Yeah. It's a very ritualized area that I grew up in. Okay. With lots of traditions and rituals throughout the year. Okay. Cowbells to, oh God, you know, could go on forever but very 
ritualized, yeah. strong, strong community. Yeah. And mom and dad were both very community oriented. Okay. And so I, that would maybe all gels with me in Tassie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I said the community spirit is what I'm very used to. Yeah. Um, maybe the only difference is that in Switzerland, you sort of are in those little villages and that's where you know everybody. Yeah. You communicate. And then you go sometimes to the big city and then you're sort of like alone. But, you know, it took two and a half hours drive from where I lived to sort of a bigger city like Hobart, mm. yeah? So yeah. it was really quite rural. So, yeah, quite isolated, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and especially in the winter sometimes, you know, everything was snow and streets were closed and um, no train and you just mm. we were locked out for a couple of days or a week or so. That was quite normal. Yeah. To where in Tassie, you know, people go more home into their rural areas and then they're quite living by themselves. Mm. But then you come to town and then you see everybody and greet yeah. everybody and yeah. you bump always into somebody so that's a bit different so in a way Hobart has still got that very strong community feel mm. and I, I really I connected that the community spirit is really something really makes such a difference for me when, when I migrate the fact that everybody saying hello mm-hmm. the fact that people just you know start a conversation even if you've never seen them before it made me very quickly feel at home and I yeah. could relate to that it, it was okay. very natural to me and so is that sort of similar so behaviour that you expect in Swiss village in the in the countryside, yep. yeah, of course. I mean, if you're in town, in a town, more rural, uh, urban, and you would stand in a queue at the counter in Woolworths, and someone would ask, you know, you know, how was your Christmas? You would sort of think, you know, what are you doing? You know, you, you don't, I don't know you. Why are you asking? To we're in Tassie, that's okay to do. Yep. But in the countryside, it's more that you know you greet, talk, or have chat um, while you're climb up a mountain never seen each other before that's more yeah. maybe part of so it really suits me right so when for people growing up in the swiss sort of swiss village in a small really small place what what sort of do people you know when, you, when you're growing up what do you think about future like what, what's that people's sort of ambitions there i thought i would always stay there okay, yeah. <laughs> and i think it was my sort of when i was i was always people were also always surprised when i moved out of the valley in a way because mm-hmm. I was really sort of in, and that maybe surprised me too. Okay, mm-hmm. but you know, I think there is limitation of what you can do mm-hmm. uh, job-wise. Yeah, in the area that I grew up, it was incredibly reliant on tourism. Okay, so that is another similarity. Yeah, Tassie, so the tourism background, um, and yeah, then my sort of teaching career brought me more, and I was sort of suddenly curious. I want to go and see more what's happening in other parts of the world or or Switzerland. I never thought about migrating. Mm-hmm. I had never, had never, ever, ever in my mind that I could live somewhere else. I mean, I was mm-hmm. just only moving out of my valley, you know. So yeah. <laughs> I never had um, a concept of, you know, I know people always dream about migrating yep. or move somewhere, you know. I'm, I don't have, I really, and often people say, you know, what's better, Switzerland or Tassie? I, I can't say better or worse, they're just so different. Yeah. Came back from Tassie, my Tassie holiday, and went back to Switzerland. It became clear to me that I do not want to live anymore in a city. Okay. And I moved back out into a very, you know, try to find a rural, you know, through a Tassie, my new Tassie experience. It was quite challenging <laughs> to find a rural place. <laughs> 
um, but I had still to be able to be close to my workplaces at the time. And I did find this little village somewhere and, and tried to move there. And everybody said, how can you move there? You don't even know anybody there. You know? mm-hmm. But because I'm this village person, I, I felt quite confident that I will very quickly pick up and build the, the connections, which I did. Yeah. And there was a moment where I just felt, oh, I should be able to live in a city. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this like, I really struggled to do it. You know, I struggled with the business and I struggled with the noise and I struggled with everything. And I just felt like it can't be that I can't do this. I need to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And I so gradually, gradually moved closer to the city. Um, right. And then finally ended up really in the midst of the city, had an apartment there and had to learn to live with trams and mm-hmm. um, and going past all, you know, noisy and traffic. And and it was, was okay and it was handy for some things and it was a good experience and I wanted to be able, be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but you need to shut out your senses in a way. I still took some of my village uh, habits with me. I remember I moved into this multi-level apartment. And I, when I moved in, I went and rang on everybody's door and said, Hello, I'm Claudia. Okay. I just moved in here. And I said, oh, I live here for 30 years. Nobody has ever done that, you know. <laughs> and that, I think, is just my, my nature to connect. And- You know, there is some foods that when I migrated at the time, um, 18 years ago, there was a lot of, you know, for example, good bread. You couldn't buy bread like we have in Switzerland, mm-hmm. cheeses like So now you get all that stuff here too. The baking yeah. is really, I think, a tradition and lots of varieties. And your little reeds, they all have, you know, traditions, what you get on Sunday and what you have on Friday, you know. Okay. Or could be all sorts of things, yeah. I even started to try to bake when I came here because I learned to bake. And, but the flour is so different. Okay. So now, again, you can buy some flours that yep. work. But at the time, I remember packed a special bread that I always made. And I, you know, it looked good, but the moment <laughs> I cut it up, it just sort of crumbled and I couldn't get my yeah, head around. So yeah. the food. The food thing is always something in that, you know, context of migration. Mm, yeah, I've got a Swiss friend here in Switzerland, uh, in Tassie, and there's always that moment where we spend time together, and then we get on that food thing, and we said, oh, you know, how nice would it be to have a Weckli or something, you know, we come up with some real Swiss food, you know, and and then I get on this track, and all these <laughs> senses get awakened in my mouth about those different flavors I could have, and don't, you know, it's better now, but there's yeah. still lots of things that they're very you can only get it over there and yeah. so is there anything in particular that you miss that um, you wish you could get here d- yeah and no, i don't even know what the word would be in english to say you can say, you can say it in german yeah so there's little breads like weckli or or something i love those little breads but or, um, there is also um, a thing called bread bread which pff, it's sort of a thing that you put in sausages or I don't know. And then you cook with that in Switzerland. It's like I said, you make different dishes with that. It's a sort of a meat thing. Okay. And I love it. And um, every time when I go home, I say to mum, I would like <laughs> this and that and this and that and this and that. I think what really shaped me in Switzerland, which was quite unique about Switzerland, you know, I think, um, and I don't know if you're aware about them, you know, we, we're one of the most highly democratic 
democratic country. So mm-hmm. yeah. And I really, truly love. And now, here we go. Now I found what I maybe still can't really um, get. Um, and that's the political system. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. So the, demo- the sophistication of the democratic system in Switzerland is just amazing. Mm. And I actually studied public sector management here in Australia. And, and part of it was to sort of look at the political system. And then I wrote an assignment and I wrote more about Switzerland than about Australia because I did a comparison. Mm-hmm. Because I really do, I think it has deeply shaped me. And imagine, you know, we have seven prime ministers and at any one time and they represent the parties from right to left mm-hmm. and they have the chore to, you know, govern unanimously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for an Australian, they look at me and say, well, how's that working, you know? But what it does, it sort of, it, it embraces the diversity in its outset. So it's, you know, it's it's designed in a way to say to have good policy, we actually do want the right to left views. Yeah. And let's really, you know, debate this and find the best solution possible. And what it also leads to is that, of course, in, in Switzerland, I feel like when we have much more, you know, sort of forward-looking, long-term mm-hmm. policies yeah. and strategies that are not thrown out with the ba- baby with the bath after every election, we are much involved. So for me, it was quite, you know, okay, here you go and elect and then you have nothing to say for another few years. You know, in Switzerland, you go every three three months or whatever, you have to go to the polls and you have to vote, vote about something because any major legislation mm. needs to go, still be run there's past. A, there's a lot the, more citizen participation. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I think it, it really shaped the way I operate, think, believe. And, you know, I work in a conflict space a lot as well. Okay. Um, and I think it just comes very natural to me to learn to respect and deal with, um, you know, sometimes very opposed and very point of views. Quite, you know, a political or a global person in, in, in by nature. But then I came to Australia and I remember I even went to Parliament House one day and I, I just felt like, oh my God, this is just embarrassing. This was ta- in Tasmania? No, mean? too. I went oh, to Canberra. Canberra. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and I just, you know, and then they explained to me, and that's maybe when you say, I don't get it, you know, that's just theatre, just, you know, just you know, on stage and stage question time. It's part of mm. what you do. I find it, you know, total complete waste uh, of time and money and even you know I've worked in a non-for-profit sector here in Tassie you know every four years you reinvent the wheel because every government comes in Mm. and then I have to do everything new again One thing that I did that I did not foresee, and this maybe came to a surprise to me at the time when I migrated. I think I still felt like my parents will stay young, young forever, mm-hmm. maybe. And I did not foresee what that growing older and, and aging. You know, mm. and I always felt a bit bad to leave my family and my my parents. You know, never said don't go, but they also you know felt like I'm moving a bit far away. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they visited because they are very young still. Um, but now I can feel the travel stuff to become a bit difficult for them. They're mm. moving towards the 80s now, you know, yeah. another three years and they will be there and I can feel, you know, I don't know how many more times they will come and that distance and now with this corona thing on top of yeah. it, it does really, it's maybe one of the most challenging things that I had to cope with since I migrated. Yeah. Um, so it will be challenging anyway that they get older and not knowing, you know, how, how can you reconcile that distance and I, I just would like to be there for them sometimes I go and do the shopping for you I help you out to do X, Y, Z as long as I'm working here I don't see how that you know if I retired and I'm, but that's you know, still right years away so 
Yeah. And that is... Yeah, you couldn't really be further away in Tasmania. Like yeah, the other it's, end of the world. it's just really, it's just on the opposite side, you know. Yeah. And, and it's also financially, you know. Mum said once, you know, I want to see you, you know, I'm first to fork out seven grand at least, you know, mm. to just to be able to see my daughter, you know. And that's quite, you know, you need to have that money first. Too. And two, same here, you know, I need to. Yeah. And in particular now, you know, if I would go home now, I would just cost me a fortune. Mm. Um, and now it's not even, well, we don't know when it's going to be possible. No, no. So, and that is sort of quite difficult at the moment for the relationship between me and my parents so that I can't say I'm coming or they come. Yeah. Is there any advice that you think would be helpful for, that you might recommend to new migrants who might be following your footsteps and married a local guy? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really being, you know, really wanting to integrate in a way, you know. Mm -hmm. I think I struggle with people who come and then always say about how much better it was at home. Yep, that's a nostalgia. Um, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, so why are you here then, you know? So for me, if, if, if people can't be open to, in a way, assimilate, to, mm -hmm. to an, a new environment and and really make that your new home and make that your new so that you can really identify yourself with it in a way. Mm -hmm. I identify as Tasmanian today mm -hmm. because you know I may, I realize I call Switzerland home, but I call Tassie home as well. So yeah. for, home is for me where your heart is, and my heart is still course in Switzerland as well but my heart is in Tassie as well mm -hmm. and you know it was interesting when my husband was very sick um, a few years ago and uh, we, we didn't know if he would make it or not people said to me would you if, if Alan would die would you actually go back to Switzerland or stay and I thought that, that that's an interesting question mm. you know because you know he seems sort of to be the reason for me to migrate and I thought yeah it's interesting and I thought about it and I actually think I would choose to stay mm. you know still so even if Alan wouldn't be anymore for me I I do love Tassie and I do love life, the life here I do love the community here I do love living here so mm. I think I would not go back I could go back to Switzerland but I would not choose to